Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right. Another week and the NFL scouting combine is now in the rearview mirror as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 94. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk where I chat with our good friend Greg Cosell and what has become a yearly tradition on this podcast, three years now running, where we go out to the Combine. Greg has already gotten a sense of most of the top prospects, and I really enjoy picking his brain about some of the more polarizing players in the country and ones that you should be aware of as Eagles fans. So you don't want to miss that conversation. Next up, we go to Scouting Report, where I went to Twitter to find out who all of you out there wanted to hear notes on as we get closer to the free agency period. We don't want to forget about some of these top draft prospects. So we've got a ton to get into. Before we get into all of that part from a draft perspective, let's not waste any time. Greg Cosell and I talked about some of the top polarizing prospects in this draft. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Very happy to be joined by my good friend Greg Cosell from NFL Films. We're here at the Scouting Combine, and Greg, I know you haven't gotten through every player in the draft yet. Obviously, you don't start your study really until around the Super Bowl. Right, right. Uh, so you're in a good spot right yeah. now, but still have a lot of work to do on a lot of these guys. Very but, excited, though, after being here to get back now and watch oh, certain sure. guys. I Absol- mean, it's, absolutely. it's having a chance to be on the field and see some of these guys up close and personal. Uh, I'm really excited now to get back and start looking at some guys I haven't seen at all. Absolutely. So uh, I want to ask you about some players that are viewed as polarizing. Right. And by polarizing, I mean players that have a wide range of opinions, and that's a lot of players, but I right. really want to focus on some big names. And also I want to get your, your feelings on how some certain players fit in the NFL because I know that that's one lens that you use to look at all of these players as one of the most important things right. that you need in order to try and project them it's to the NFL. It's about transition and projection. Right. You How love, do they profile say, in the NFL? Exactly. You love to say the scheme of adaptability. Right, so right. Let's talk first, and obviously the Eagles do not need a quarterback. Very high, which is a good thing. It's a great thing, especially this year. Um, But there's two names that I want to talk to you about because I know you're very, very schooled on the quarterback position. All the listeners to this podcast know you're very schooled on the quarterback position. First, let's go with the guy that I think I feel the best about in this group overall, and that's Deshaun Watson, who, you know, obviously was a little bit up and down this past season. Had his share of very highs, took his team to win the national championship, and certainly had uh, his share of lows as well with some of the bad interceptions he had in key spots, whether they were on third down, uh, whether they were down in the red zone. zone, Absolutely. So let's talk about Deshaun Watson first. What are your overall feelings on Deshaun Watson right now in terms of projecting what he can be in the NFL? Well, let me just start with this. Uh, Watching him here at the Combine, and I've been to many Combines, probably close to 20 years now. Wow. And I I don't change opinions based on Combine, but I think his performance here was so good in in a way that I think is important in that he did everything right. There was economy of movement. All the things you would look for, he did here, and he threw the ball better here than he did on his tape. In fact, I talked to a couple of coaches who said that the tape wasn't as good as his performance here. 
But I think in some ways that's a positive as we move forward. And I think as you look ahead with Deshaun Watson, to me, he's ultimately going to be the kind of quarterback that runs your offense efficiently. He's an orchestrator. He's a distributor. He's a point guard. But with that, he will have the ability at times to extend plays and make plays with his legs. But I think the bottom line is, like you mentioned Carson Wentz, the Eagles don't need a quarterback. Sure. He's not as gifted physically as Carson Wentz. He's not going to make some of the throws we saw Carson Wentz make for the Eagles this year because Deshaun Watson is not necessarily capable of making those kinds of throws at the NFL level. Right. So when you talk about how he was able to help himself, we're not talking about 40-yard dash time. What, no. what, what exactly did he do in your eyes that really helped himself this week? Well, so I, I think one thing people probably focused on was he threw the deep ball extremely well here. And that's something, as you know, because you've studied him as well, he missed a lot of deep balls this year. So you're looking at how the ball's coming out of his yes, hand, the placement spun it, and everything. Yes, he spun it really nicely. He threw it very easily. Yeah. And that's something I've learned from a lot of different people over the years. When you see quarterbacks sort of struggle to have to throw it, particularly on the deeper throws, the, the intermediate to deep throws, I always view that as a red flag. Like Mitch Trubisky, really, he worked hard to throw the ball here. Hmm. Deshaun Watson threw the ball really easily. It came out of his hand. He spun it really well, and he was extremely accurate. Yeah. And I think that, that bodes well as he goes forward. That thing, the, the thing that stood out the most with Watson was watching that first group of quarterbacks, which was not a good group. Was probably one of the worst that I've seen right. at the combine overall. Watching that first group of quarterbacks go through drills and then seeing him, I mean, it was almost night, night and, day. and day. It was almost night and day. Uh, let's talk about another guy uh, and uh, a player that uh, there is an extremely wide variety of opinions on Patrick Mahomes from Texas Tech. You and I are on the same page about him. Right. I haven't talked to you about what you thought of his workout yesterday. We're talking right now on Sunday afternoon. haven't talked to you about what you thought about his workout, but overall thoughts on the projection of Patrick Mahomes. Now, Mahomes is interesting, and there'll be people who will like him, Fran, as you know, because he's, he throws the ball extremely well. He's toolsy. He, he, he's toolsy. It's a good word for it. Um, he played in the air raid offense, which at its core is a timing, rhythm, structured offense. Pat Mahomes played with very little timing, rhythm, and structure. That, to me, is a red flag because he did not execute his offense. You can't base your analysis and evaluation of Pat Mahomes on his ability to run out of the pocket and make throws uh, randomly and improvisationally, uh, which he's obviously good at, he's capable of. Um, I think there's a lot of toolsy talent, as you say, but buried under that toolsy talent at this moment in time is an alarming lack of refinement. And I think he's a player that needs to be coached hard. He needs to accept it. He needs to inculcate the the subtleties of playing the quarterback position at the NFL level, and then he'll have a chance. But I think it's easy to get mesmerized just by the way he throws the ball, but he's a very loose, undisciplined player at this point. Doesn't really throw with a firm base, not particularly accurate in games. And you know what's interesting watching him here? And, And this is some of the issues you run into. He obviously doesn't drop back. He did not drop back from under center in college. On a number of dropbacks here, you can see his footwork. He almost tripped because he's learning this. 
he needs to be retrained. Yeah. So you're starting from scratch. And it's something that you, for people that had watched uh, Hard Knocks this past year, you kind of saw Jared Goff go through right. the, the growth of the, of taking it's the three-step drop, the yep. five-step drop from under center. And it, it is an adjustment. Yeah. Uh, and it, some guys take to it faster than others. Yep. You know, we saw uh, Dak Prescott at, Ole Miss, or, uh, at Mississippi State was primarily in the shotgun. Makes the transition to he did it well. Was, did it well, and that's why it's case by case. Yes. Uh, so I'm not going to sit here and say Mahomes will never be an NFL quarterback, but my sense is that the process will take a little longer for him. All right, let's move on to another position, and a position that Eagles fans are very, very interested in at this point. Right. And that's the the running back spot. Sure. Two players, and both obviously very good talents. Uh, and I know that you feel differently, I think, than the consensus on this first prospect, and that's Dalvin Cook. Uh, a lot of people view Dalvin Cook as, you know, a surefire day one starter, as a guy that can step in and be the feature back in an NFL offense from day one. What are your overall thoughts on Dalvin Cook, both on tape and then seeing him here well, at Indianapolis? I think he can be a surefire day one contributor if you understand what he is. What the role is. What the role is. I, I don't think Dalvin Cook is a foundation back the way a lot of people think. In other words, I, I, if the consensus is that Dalvin Cook is Ezekiel Elliott, I would strongly disagree with that. I think Dalvin Cook is much more of a sort of spread back, yep. um, 11 personnel type back. Now, can once in a while, can you line him up in the eye? and run? Of course you can. You can do that with any back. But I don't think you set your offense through Dalvin Cook. Yeah. He's not a 18 to 22 carry a week player. Yeah. And in fact, his running style does not lend itself to that because when you watch him run, and I've watched six games on film, probably you've, I'm sure you've watched about the same. To me, he looks to run away from people. He looks for space. And to be a really high-level feature back in the NFL, yeah. you almost have to embrace running in confined areas and then figure out how to deal with that. He doesn't want to do that. He's looking to run away from that. And you're speaking more towards when he's approaching the line of scrimmage, not necessarily once he gets to the second, third level of the No, defense. I would say it's the, fir- the first level. Yes. yes. And right. as he's getting to the second level, Correct. you know, he's now looking to get away from people uh, because yep. he's not that kind of runner. He's not Ezekiel Elliott. In other words, you're not in this particular draft, you're not having a discussion about Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook in the same sense. They're not the same back in an offense. Yeah. And what's interesting, and this is, I guess, the most important part in our discussion here on this podcast, is the the projection of Dalvin Cook to the Doug Peterson offense. And I think that could work. I think so, too. I think I, that I could work. I, I think that really when, when I see Dalvin Cook at his best, I see, obviously, you see the perimeter run game. You see the sweeps. You see the, yep. the tosses, the crack tosses. One of the things that I thought he ran really well was counter, and one of the reasons why I thought counter was really productive for him was you get that misdirection element. Right. And he's able to make bad, take bad angles from defenders right. and make just expedite them oh, greatly. There's no question he has eye-back experience and ability. That's yeah. not the question. Yep. You can put him in the eye and run counter, power, NFL runs. It's just a matter of, of how much you're going to do that with him. Now, for the Eagles, I think he'd probably be a very good fit as, as in a sense, a committee back. Yeah. Now, the one thing and I don't know how you feel about it. I watched six games. There were two plays in the six games in which he was detached from the formation. Now, he caught a lot of passes, but they were a lot of those passes were checkdowns, were flare passes out in the flat. So for those who think, oh, he's Marshall Falk, because I've seen that comparison, 
hey, maybe he is Marshall Falk down the road. But in the six games I watched, which was an awful lot of snaps, there were two plays in which he was detached from the formation as a receiver. So that's a projection. And there were more than a handful of running backs that went through receiver drills here at the and Combine. He and he did and not. And I was kind of – and again – I'm not blaming anybody. I, I was just disappointed in yeah. that. I was hoping to see him take part in those receiver drills. Let's get to another running back and a, and a player that was used in a much different way uh, for his offense. But I think people view similar to, similarly to how you're talking about Dalvin Cook, and that's Christian McCaffrey. Oh, yeah. And McCaffrey was used, you know, you're talking one back, two back. You're talking all the different run schemes in the book and that Stanford offense, inside zone, outside zone, all the different gap elements. What do you see overall from McCaffrey when you're projecting him to the NFL? You know, in some ways, other than the fact that Cook, and and this is important, so I don't want to minimize it, Cook clearly has more home run hitting ability. But I think as far as how they would be utilized or deployed in an NFL offense, I think they're similar players. And I think McCaffrey at this point, based on what we've seen, what our eyes have seen, He's a more versatile player than Cook right now. We've seen him detach from the yep. formation. Right. He is a better receiver than Dalvin Cook. And if they're used in a similar way, to me, McCaffrey right now is a better prospect. And I know it might sound controversial, but I think that it would not surprise me, and I'm not saying that it will happen or that it should happen. I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me if McCaffrey was drafted before Cook. Yeah, I agree. I think that's going to be really, really interesting to follow as we get closer to the draft. Uh, Let's go to another position. I think I think Eagles fans are a little bit interested to hear about the receivers in this class and the two top. Do they need a few? And you're well. I think people are excited to hear your opinion on the two top names. Right, right, right. Corey Davis, Mike Williams. We know John Ross and his speed. Uh, I don't know if you saw that he ran a 4-2-2 yesterday. Uh, I Uh, was in the building, uh, and you know what? You saw that. You know what I learned? He's fast. He's pretty fast. He is yeah. pretty fast. Which so, I think I kind of knew. When watching him, I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You may have seen that. So yeah. let's, talk, let's talk Davis and Mike Williams. And we didn't really see a full workout. We didn't see a full workout from, from Davis, and we didn't see a full workout and Davis, from, from what I from speaking to folks here, it's my understanding that Davis uh, might not even be able to do anything before the draft. Yeah, and that the ankle injury is He's really He's never been timed in a four. Not that that matters, but... It does matter to some degree. Right. It doesn't change what he is as a player, but I don't think he'll be able to run a 40 before the draft. Well, tell us what you think about him as a player. How do you compare him and Williams? You know, I think they're different players. The One thing, they both have really good size. So, so I think that um, Davis, to me, is a more explosive player, vertically explosive. He moves better yeah. than Mike Williams. Uh I know we often like NFL comparisons. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Corey Davis is Julio Jones or or Des Bryant, but I think he's more along the lines of those kinds of players. Mm. I think if he became something like those guys down the road, that would not surprise me. I think Mike Williams is very good at what he is, but I almost think this is what he is. I'm not sure there's a lot of room for growth. He's a big guy. He's a contested catch guy. In college, he didn't run by people. That's in college, so he's not likely to do that in the NFL. Um, I think he, he's at his best in the sort of short to intermediate game. The vertical game for him will be fades and, and, or, and back shoulder throws. Um, so Williams, to me, he's going to be a good pro. Yep. I don't think he'll have that explosive element that I think Corey Davis can bring to the table. Could he be an Alshon Jeffrey 
type of player yeah. for an offense. Kind of, th- yeah, and now he's he might be an inch taller. Yep. But I think sure. in terms of style of play, they're somewhat now Jeffrey has made plays down the field. Williams theoretically can. Uh, they'll likely be contested. Right. Uh, but you know where he's really good. I think what Williams is, and this is a lot a lot of what the Eagles do too. By the way, is um, that. You know, he's really good on short routes, yep. slants. I mean, his best plays this year, to me, were, were back shoulder throws, fades, and slants where then guys would try to tackle him, and he'd use his physicality and his size to run through them and, he, and, and turn a, you know, it's an eight-yard slant into a 25-yard gain. Yeah. You know. We, we both feel the same way about this term. Do you think that both are what fans and media would then call a – "Quote unquote number one receiver," like I, I view I view Davis as a guy. I think that Davis's be that guy. skill set as he grows is clearly that. Yep. Uh, Williams, I guess, would be seen that way as well. Um, you know, it's funny. You look at a guy like Mike Evans in Tampa. He's a number one, right. and he does catch balls down the field. So the question is, can can Williams become that kind of player? Yep. Uh, I'd have to wait and see on that. Interesting. Okay, let's go over the defensive side. And I know you're still doing a ton of work right. on these guys. So we'll fly through a couple of them because I know you have, you've only seen minimal on some. Uh, we talked about Christian McCaffrey earlier. Let's go to his teammate, Solomon Thomas, who uh, a lot of people view as a top ten pick. I view him as a top love ten pick. Love, love him on film. Love him on film. Love his tape. And what stands out to me, you know, when I watched him, I thought, you know what, I kind of think he could be, I'm not saying he's this guy, but I think he could be an Aaron Donald-type player as a really undersized three because he's so disruptive. And it's interesting to hear you say that because I, I think his skill set yeah. is a three technique. I, like, I didn't watch him and say, man, this guy is going to be a terror off the edge. Right. I see him as, man, this guy is going to be really tough as a So here's disruptor. the question that NFL teams are going to debate, and now this is a philosophy issue. Yep. He's 273 pounds. That's Came in lighter than what he was listed at. So correct. He was listed at 275. Right. 73. So can you play three technique in the NFL at 273 pounds? Right. That's a philosophical question for teams. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with you. I think his, his physical skill set, his, his get off uh, at the snap of the ball, his ability to be a gap player, I think that lends itself to being a three technique. It's just that there are not a lot. There are not too many two hundred and seventy-three pound three techniques. Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. And because look, we it all comes down to scheme. And he could go to a three-four team, be a D end, and then rush inside. In right. And he and certainly that. could be a three technique in a sub package. Of course, we know that. Yeah, we when, know when that. you're rushing the quarterback. But the question is, can he line up? You know, if you think of the top three techniques, and certainly if you draft him in the top eight to twelve, let's say, you're expecting him to be one of the top three techniques in the league. Correct. Is he Aaron Donald? Aaron Donald weighs close to three hundred pounds, yep. and there's a big difference between two seventy three and let's say two ninety eight. Yeah. So that that is a meaningful difference. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. But he's a really good player. No doubt, absolutely, a very very high on Solomon Thomas. Uh, Taco Charlton, defensive end for yeah. Michigan. Yeah. I tell you what stood out to me. I was down on the field watching the workouts how long he is. And I think that's going to be a big thing. I was actually talking to a coach who said that he's a more athletic, better prospect, and better player than Carlos Dunlap. Interesting. So I saw there was some early, this is, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon, and the, the athletic testing has just finished, or still going on with some of these edge guys. An early athletic projection for Taco Charlton was Chandler Jones. Now, I, I have not 
I need to watch more Charlton. Yes. But I, I didn't see him as quite as flexible as Chandler Jones. I don't either, yeah. Uh, so that was my sense and my, my preliminary look at him. But seeing him in person and, and basically standing five feet away from him, he's a really long kid. And I think he came in at close to 6'5 and a half. And two, I think it was 277. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. And that surprised me because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I guess just watching him on film, I mean, I knew he wasn't 6'1, but I, I didn't think he was he was over 65. Yeah. So seeing him in person opened my eyes and made me anxious to get back and watch more of him now and really focus on him because th- there's clear length to him and I, that that always means something as a pass rusher off the edge because then you can get your your arms involved, you can create separation. You may not have to be a great bender than to be a pass rusher, but I don't think he's as naturally flexible as Chandler Jones. Let me get to his teammate now, Jabril Peppers from Michigan, who yeah. and a player that I think many view as probably the most polarizing player in this draft because of what he can be. Do you view him? I mean, you haven't he's watched a, much of him. No, but he's you a see safety. Him in person. You we know he's two hundred. I mean, he's a great athlete. That's, yep. that's not saying anything we we don't know. He's two hundred thirteen pounds, so he's a safety and. It's just like last year, Fran. We have to get away from this idea that he's going to play seven positions. Yeah. He's going to be a safety. Now, a safety has multiple roles within being a safety, but that's what he's going to be, a safety, because he's, he's not going to be a 213-pound linebacker, in, yeah. in my view. Now, I guess some might say, well, hey, Deion Jones might have played at 222 or 224, but I, I believe J- J- uh, Jabril Peppers will be an NFL safety. Yeah, he, I mean, he came out. The very first thing he said when he took the podium on Saturday afternoon was, "I'm a safety. I'm right, a safety." Right, right, right. So I right. think he that, that I would imagine if he's saying that to the media, he's probably saying that at night here, right, in Indiana, 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 right, Indianapolis right. to NFL teams. Well, uh, Greg, excited to hear as you continue to watch more on Peppers and the rest of this draft class. But appreciate you joining us here once again on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. All right, Fran, thanks. Great stuff from Greg, and again, you can follow him on Twitter just like I do, at Greg Cosell, and while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of our podcasts and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. You know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media, and that's just one way to support the show. Really, the number one way is to go on iTunes or Stitcher and wherever you rate the show or wherever you listen, leave a rating and leave us a comment. That's how you spread the word. More people can start to view it. We can boost the numbers up and we can continue expanding the show. I wanted to give a shout out to Write Him who rated the show and left a comment on our iTunes page. And Write Him said, I I know when it comes to the draft that free agency determines your board in a way. So if the Eagles were to get Alshon Jeffrey and then at pick 14 you have Corey Davis, Dalvin Cook, and Marshawn Lattimore – would you consider Cook and Lattimore more than Davis? And really, you're, the answer to that question is, yeah, you're right. The free agency does impact the draft in a certain sense. But that being said, you do want to look at the fact that the Eagles certainly could use more than one receiver. And if you look at Corey Davis and Dalvin Cook and Marshawn Lattimore, remember, go back to a couple of weeks ago when I had Dan Hatman, former NFL scout, on this podcast, and he talked about how to construct a draft board, how teams go about it. And it's not just a vertical list, one through 300 of all the top players. It's a horizontal and vertical list. So going across the top horizontally is every position on the field. And then vertically, you're talking about all the different grades. And now you're just picking players based off of that. So if you have, let's say, Corey Davis, Dalvin Cook, and Marshawn Lattimore, 
all graded exactly the same, then yeah, then maybe you go a different direction if you've already spent a lot of money on one position over another. But if you've got, let's say, let's, we'll stick with your scenario, if the Eagles did sign an Alshon Jeffrey or a Terrell Pryor or another big-name receiver and Corey Davis is ranked well above a Dalvin Cook and well above a Marshawn Lattimore and there's no one else that's rated as highly as Corey Davis, I think you still take Corey Davis. I think you take, and that's where best player available really comes into mind because you talk about value and, and what you're getting from each of those selections. If Corey Davis is head and shoulders above the other th- players on the board, it makes that decision very easy. It really comes down to when you have two players graded very similarly, very close together, that's when you maybe get into, all right, well, we've already ad- addressed this position here or addressed this position there. That makes the decision a little bit easier. So thanks to Wright, him, and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all of the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Okay, let's keep this show going. I told you earlier that I would get to my notes on a really intriguing prospect of your choosing. So let's get to that player now in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so I put it out there earlier on Tuesday asking you for your recommendations. Who did you want to hear about in this NFL draft? And Neil Dutton, at ndutton13, suggested Christian McCaffrey, the running back from Stanford, who, number one, he was probably one of the more two or three impressive players that went through position skill drills at the combine. It was very, very smooth, very confident, very everything that you wanted to see from a guy going through those drills in that environment. I thought he aced that test. So Christian McCaffrey really stood out to me in Indianapolis on the field at Lucas Oil Stadium. But when you're talking about a player who's 5'11 and a quarter, 202 pounds, not necessarily ideal size for a feature back, but I think he's big enough. He's a two-time All-American, two-time first-team All-Pac-12. He was a Heisman finalist as a sophomore in 2015 a two-year starter in head coach David Shaw, David Shaw's pro-style offense. He lined up in both one- and two-back sets. He's got a ton of experience running in gap schemes with a fullback as well as in zone schemes. They gave him, they lined him up in the slot as a wildcat. He was a returner. He did a little bit of receiver out wide. I mean, he did so much for that Stanford offense and was used in so many different schemes that I think he projects well to any offense in the NFL and in, into a number of roles. So you're talking about a player that brings a lot of value to an offense. Now, when you look at him as a runner, he's patient, he's decisive. That's both out in space as well as between the tackles. He's a better between the tackles runner than people give him credit for. He's got a knack for setting up his blocks to find a crease. Very few negative runs with him on tape, and he never gets caught dancing in the backfield. He's always square to the line of scrimmage. He runs hard for a smaller back. He's got really good quickness and lateral agility. Very good athlete for the position. That showed up at the combine. He displayed the burst to separate in a short area and the speed to pull away from defenders in the open field. And I think he's got a really natural feel for making defenders miss. He uses that stiff arm well. He's got some wiggle. He does what he can to stay alive with the ball in his hands. And in space, he is a mismatch problem for defenders in the slot because of his separation quickness, his route running skills. I mean, he could realistically line up as a slot receiver in the NFL. He's lethal out of the backfield on those Texas routes or those slants from the slot. Very soft hands. He's a good receiver. He's got great vision in the open field, and he can find those cutback lanes out in space. And he knows when to keep both hands on the football in those short yardage situations. He only fumbled one time in the eight games that I've studied so far, and I still have a handful more to get through from this past season. I really like everything about Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he's got eyes in the back of his head as a ball carrier. Now, the biggest question is, is he big enough to handle being a feature back in the NFL? He's not a naturally powerful runner. 
you know, and everyone's going to say, oh, he only, he only bench pressed 10 times. Uh, I look at his power and I say, okay, is he good enough? You know, is he powerful enough? Because we know it's not his game. It's, I don't ever expect him to be a guy uh, that's like a Marshawn Lynch uh, to run between the tackles. But is he big enough to handle the responsibilities between the tackles? And I do think he is. I'd like to see him run through a little bit more arm tackles. And I think if he gets into an NFL weight program, gets a little bit stronger, he'll be able to do that. His lack of strength does show up at times in pass pro as well, where he's smart, he's a willing blocker, but he can get a little bit overwhelmed at times, even when he's got very good technique. Now, McCaffrey is a certain type of runner because you're not going to run him 25 times a game every week in the NFL. But in today's game, you may not necessarily need that, depending on what offense you are. You may only need him to touch the ball 18 to 20 times, and maybe sometimes he might only touch it 14 times in a game. But if you can get him with a creative offensive mind, I think there's a lot of potential there in a lot of ways. He reminds me of a guy like Brian Westbrook. I think there are a lot of similarities to the way they play and what they can bring to an NFL offense. I love his quickness, his burst, his vision. I think he can be a number one back in a pass-first type of offense. So that's how I feel about Christian McCaffrey. Wouldn't surprise me at all if he was the second running back off the board, potentially even in the top half of the first round. Would not surprise me at all, Uh, and I'm really excited to see ultimately where he slots in this draft. So that's going to do it. Another show in the books here in the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Thanks a lot to Greg Cosell and all of you out there listening, whether you're on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and, of course, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And, again, if you get the time, rate the show, leave us a comment, let us know what you think. Don't be afraid to leave a question on there, too, because I'd love the ability to answer it here on the podcast. If there's ever anything specific you want me to hit on in-depth, I will absolutely take requests from all of you out there. So wherever you listen, just go shoot us a comment wherever you listen to the show. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.